the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Today we're going to look at Romans chapter 14, verses 7 through 13. 7 through 13, but we're going to look at verses 7 and 8 first, okay? Romans 14, verses 7 and 8. None of us lives to himself. Well, now that's impossible if you're not living to to Christ. But to the Lord. And none of us dies to himself... But to the Lord. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Do you all get it? You get it? Who do you belong to? The Lord. Who does your life belong to? The Lord. Who does your living belong to? The Lord. See, Paul is being redundant for for a reason, because we lose this truth. In verse 4 of this chapter, Paul reminds us that these, that being the brethren out there, are God's servants, and they stand and fall before Him alone. Paul is going to make this point in several ways. He wants you to understand that these Beloved around you, your brothers and sisters are not yours to judge. They're not yours. They're His. They stand or fall before Him. Then he says in verse 6, whether weak or strong, what they do, they do as unto the Lord. Now here in verses 7 and 8, he drives the point home. As Christians, we live unto the Lord, not unto the flesh. Those who live unto the flesh are carnal and living unto death. As Christians, Christ is our life. So we only live through Him and should only live to Him. Amen. Our lives, our bodies, all that we are belong to Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20 says, You were bought with a price, purchased with a preciousness, and paid for, made His own. So then honor God and bring glory to Him in your body. Now I've heard this preached in order to empower your works that you do for God. 
That's wrong. That is wrong. What we do for God is we join with Him in life. We walk with Him in union. And He expresses His life with us through our body. Through our body, we learn and we animate and we manifest the truth of our spiritual selves, who we are. Marriage illustrates this. We as married couples no longer belong to ourselves, but we now belong to another. We have committed to live for one another under God. A child of God feels free or not free to do certain things out of the same motive, which is to live for his God. Each chooses the course of their conduct in accordance to their conscience, in accordance to what God has put in them. But whatever they do, they do unto the Lord. So Paul is not talking about a bunch of reprobates out there. He's not talking about a bunch of rebellious people that are living to the world. He's talking about God-loving Christians who are devoted to Him, Christ, who are walking as best they know in the truth that they understand. But we all are growing. So what we could say about the weak is perhaps they were immature. But they stood in their weakness unto the Lord. We can say about the the strong that might have made judgments about the weak that they were immature. But what they did, they did unto the Lord. You see, God wants us to walk as though we belong to Him and to see each other with His eyes. We are not to judge or to see ourselves superior, either in our freedom or our abstinence. God, not flesh, is to be the focus. To make flesh the focus is idolatry and sin. To judge and stand in pride over your brother is sin. To slander and compare is sin. So we do not want to allow the enemy to take our convictions and turn them into flesh focus, which we've done in the past. We have been freed from the tyranny of a self-centered life. The world teaches us that living self-centered is the way. That living self-focused is life. But we know from experience and from the Word of God and from the conviction of the union life we have within us that to live self-centered is to live to death. Because the world says self-centered living, and they're talking about living to this body, is life, but it's death. Christ says, live to me, and you have life eternal. Live to me, and allow what is flesh to be the expression of who I am. We have been freed from the tyranny of a self-centered life when the old flesh, the old self, the old man, died. With Christ. We have been made new. 
We are done with lesser things. We have the heart of the Father and the mind of Christ. If we live to the new self, then we can love one another. We have the capacity to love one another with His love. We can relate to one another through Christ. The reality is, the same thing that I teach in marriage counseling, is that Christ is your point of union. Not just in marriage, but in the church itself. And here's the reality of it. And this applies to marriage. It applies to this fellowship. You're in union whether you want to be or not. Because you're in Christ. You share the same life. If you choose to to ignore this union, then you're walking outside of truth. And you're trying to establish your own truth. You're living in sin or for sin. And you're carnal. What does that mean? It means you've handicapped your ability to experience truth and life and abundance. God says, don't go there. I've surrounded you with these people. Listen, the reality of it is, is that God allows each branch to be around the other because of the specific ministry of his life in union with the unique personality of that branch is what you need. It's not random. We have churches that are completely built on the affinity of flesh. They're all about making sure that this person can get along with this person. And what they're doing is they're finding compatible flesh. Let me tell you something. If you go into marriage in that way, you're going to pay some heavy dues. Because the flesh only has one affinity, and it's to itself. Everything else is a manipulation. God put us together as a body. And He put us together as a body by giving each one of His life. Now we look different to our eyes of flesh. And we talk different and our perspective may be a little different. And some of us are weak in some areas and strong in others. But we're put together on the vine so that He can literally minister truth through and to each one. There's no accident There's no accident that you are where you are today. There's no accident that you have the people around you that you do. He is our point of union. We are no longer ours. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or we die, we belong to the Lord. Our lives belong to the Lord. The living of our temporal lives is unto the Lord. The passing of this temporal life is unto the Lord. For us to live is Christ. Now that fact is the overarching truth of our existence. We may seek to know this life through the flesh, but we can only know death that way, and it doesn't change our created purpose. Living to the flesh, as I said before, makes you experientially handicapped. Like the blind and the deaf who are unable to embrace all the creation, the temporal creation, because of that handicap. You were made to be able to fully embrace the the abundance of the life within you. When you see yourself as flesh, you have closed your eyes and your ears to the truth. 
When you sink yourself into this world and cast your hopes and your worries and your fears amongst this temporal existence, you have literally handicapped yourself like the man who laid at the gate called beautiful, waiting for God to come along and somehow bring life to your limbs and allow you to once more run free. But you cannot see past humanity. You can only see flesh. That's not what He's called us to. That's not the life He's given us. You have a life within you that transcends the mortal frame and is made for the expression of the eternal. Philippians 1.21 I love this. For me to live. In other words, everything that is required for me to live. The very thing that keeps me alive. Without it, I would not live. For me to live is Christ. His life in me. And to die the gain of the glory of eternity. Our lives are in the vine. And we are all living in the same source. For us to lose life would be for us to lose Christ. So for me to live is Christ. And to lose the flesh is the gain of faith become sight. That's the truth of us. Romans 14.9 For Christ died and lived again for this very purpose. That He might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Now His death and resurrection were part of establishing His Lordship. God in Christ personally reconciled Himself to the world in order to establish Christ as the one true vine, the source of life for all who are reborn. This makes Christ Lord in every aspect of our existence, not just Creator, Sustainer, but literally Lord of life and death. That's what He has become to us. Ephesians 1 Verses 22 through 23. And He, that is God, has put all things under His feet and has appointed Him the universal and supreme head of the church, a headship exercised throughout the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. For in that body lives the full measure of Him who makes everything complete and who fills everything everywhere with Himself. You see, the Lord is established in all things and we are His body. In us lives the full measure of Him. We are the our participants in His reigning as Lord because we are in His body and He is the head. Do you know that when you reject your brother and sister, you're rejecting the reign of Christ? That's a reality. Paul says in view of His Lordship recognizing the truth of His life and His Lordship within us that He established through His death and resurrection in order to be more than just a Creator, more than just an obscure God somewhere. He literally created this situation so that God Himself could be in union with you. We're not like a plant, a rock, a tree. 
We are literally vessels of union life that He shares with us. And He doesn't share with us in a partnership. He shares with us as Lord of life. What does that mean? Is He talking about Lord of eternal life? He's talking about Lord of all life. Of every expression of life. His Lordship is established in all things. We walk with the full measure of Him within us. We are participants in His reigning. Paul is making the point that we are in union with Christ and therefore have no separation from one another. His death and resurrection established Him as Lord over life. So we are not to make judgments over those who are in fact extensions of His life. We are to live for the Lord because we live from the Lord. Every branch shares the same life. When we judge, we judge according to the flesh and we always get it wrong. I read an illustration of that which I thought was kind of good. It said a, a traveler between flights at an airport bought a small package of cookies which I'm sure paid a huge price for Then she sat down and began reading a newspaper. Gradually, she became aware of a rustling noise from behind her paper. She was flabbergasted. For you young people, that means surprised. She was flabbergasted to see a neatly dressed man helping himself to her cookies. Not wanting to make a scene, she leaned over and took a cookie herself. A minute or two passed, and then more rustling. He was helping himself to another cookie. By this time, they had come to the end of the package. But she was so angry, she didn't dare allow herself to say anything. Then, as to add insult to injury, the man broke the remaining cookie in two, pushed half across to her, ate the other half, and walked away. Still fuming some time later, when her flight was announced, the woman opened her handbag to get her ticket. To her shock and embarrassment, there she found her pack of unopened cookies. When we judge, we get it wrong. Romans 14, verses 10 and 11. Why do you criticize and pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you look down upon or despise your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God, acknowledge him to his honor and to his praise. Now Paul asks the question, in light of who is our life and his lordship over us, why do you continue to criticize and judge your brother? He is saying, this has to stop. It cannot continue. No matter how you may justify it, you are fracturing the fellowship and union that Christ died to establish in your own experience. When we do this, we're living to the flesh. We want to show ourselves as superior, so we make little comments and leading statements to bait folks into joining in our flesh party and our criticisms and our observation. And let me tell you something. When it comes to critique and observation and criticism and judgments, many people brag or boast in their discernment. But I want to tell you, there's a power higher than you feeding that. And it's not the Lord. 
It's a power of wickedness. I say higher than your flesh. A power of wickedness that is feeding you bitterness and judgments in order for you to separate yourself off. And when you separate yourself off from the body of Christ, you're separating yourself experientially from all that God has for you. You can't lose Christ, and you won't lose the life that is within you, but you can sure live like it's not there. And when you live in bitterness, that's exactly what you're doing. And it gets even worse than that. You have supposed yourself to be in the place of God in your judgments. That's pretty pretty big stuff, huh? Paul asked, why do you do this? It needs to stop. We need to stop. So, our little comments are all about bolstering our self-righteousness, but God says that's not who you are. Paul reminds us that God and God alone is the judge of all men, not you. Every man will bow and confess to God, not you. This verse is often interpreted as a threat, so I'm going to take a little bit different approach. They interpret it as a threat, meaning that you will have to give an account, Christian, as to how you treat your brother. Okay? Now, Paul tells us that all will give an account. But the all is general. It's not specific. It is the Greek word pas, and it refers to each, every, any, all, the whole, everyone, all things, everything. It's not just about Christian. Now, many theologians want to roll this into a separate judgment for Christians where we will have to give an account. They call this the Bema Seat Judgment where the works of the Christian will be accepted or rejected. Well, you know, we learned this in Bible study. We went through this before and looked at it. Bema appears in the Bible as a place of judgment where punishments are handed out. Okay? Romans 14, verses 12 and 13. We'll address it even further. And so each of us shall give an account of himself, give an answer in reference to judgment to God. Are you ready? Then let us no more criticize and blame and pass judgment on one another, but rather decide and endeavor never to put a stumbling block or an obstacle or a hindrance in the way of a brother. So, how many of you have been doing that whispering? You've got, you've got a score to settle here. God's going to call you in. You're going to have to give an account. How are you feeling about your relationship with the Lord now? Suppose we had a big screen here and all those whispers were put before you. Hmm? How many of you would be ashamed? What would you say? Listen, guys. This is not what Paul is saying, okay? What Paul is saying is, you are not God. God will judge man. God will cause every knee to bow and every tongue to confess the truth of His Lordship. Every man will give an account according to God. Unto God. Now, can we agree that passing judgments, looking down on your brother and despising your brother is sin? Can we agree on that? Okay. 
Well, at the very least, we have the sin of pride and self-righteousness involved here. This is glorying in your flesh over someone else. So Paul is accusing them of putting themselves in the place of God in their judgments. The very thing that Lucifer was cast out of heaven for. The non-moral issues that divided them were not the sin. The judgments and the separation and the criticism was. Okay? So what some are suggesting is that Paul is telling you to be careful how you treat your brother because you will be judged when Christ returns. Now, that is contrary to a good many passages. I'll read two of them to you. Hebrews 9.28 Even so, it is that Christ, having been offered to take upon Himself and bear as a burden the sins of many once and once for all, will appear a second time, not to carry any burden of sin, nor to deal with sin, but to bring to full salvation those who eagerly, constantly, and patiently waiting for and expecting Him. Romans 8.1, every one of you know that. Therefore, there is now no condemnation, no adjudging guilty of wrong for those who are in Christ Jesus, who live and walk not after the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of of the Spirit. So, there are many others, but the idea of Christian judgment goes against the whole premise of forgiveness, doesn't it? I know many will say that the Bema Seat is a separate judgment for works where we will receive reward, and I'm not sure you can make that case clearly for two separate judgments for Christians. You see, here's the truth of it. Every work of the flesh will be burned up. Guess what? All this will go. All that the Spirit of God accomplishes, on the other hand, will be attributed to the Son of God. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship, but we need to let you know that we have moved. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m., and our new location is 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods, just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. 
Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.